You're listening to Dole Capital. And you're with Ben. I'll be talking with our special guest about politics in Victoria, Australia. Well, hopefully um, interesting and motivating for all you cage-rattling tragics out there. On today's show at Dole Capital, what's Dan gone and done now? But first, Patreon. This show wouldn't be possible without our supporters and patrons. You can show your solidarity at Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Dole Capital. That's D-O-H-K-A-P-I-T-A-L. Please like, share and subscribe to our show and leave a review on your preferred podcast application. Thank you to our supporters who have helped us with our broadcast hosting fees and equipment. Your support helps motivate and resources to make more content. Before we get started, we're recording on Nunnawell land in the Australian Capital Territory and pay our respects to the elders, past, present and future, whose sovereignty was never ceded and who we express our solidarity and struggles to end continuing injustices for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. We encourage voters to get out and vote yes in the upcoming referendum on the 14th of October 2023 as a step forward for constitutional recognition and locking in consultation with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and our way in which our government does things. So it's a positive thing. It's a step forward. Obviously, we'd like more, but it is what it is. So go and get behind it. Hey, Josh. Well, Josh is a senior journalist with The Age newspaper and has worked on... Well, you've been working on reporting in the Victorian political sphere for quite a while now, haven't you, Josh? Far too long. Far too Far long. Too long. Far too long. Uh, what the, what, what's Dan gone and done now? Is probably that's that's the title of this show, and uh, probably something there for our regular listeners uh, who like having a bit of interest in what's been going on in Australian politics. But we're very privileged to have you on the show to talk about that. But what's the go, Dan Andrews? You know, everyone's favourite as well as hated guy from Victoria. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. There's quite a few, you know, people that think there must be more to this, that there's some sort of conspiracy or there's some sort of really bad story that's about to break about them or a corruption scandal or a sort of anti-corruption commission investigation. Um, my reading of it is very simple. Like, I think it's it's a really tough job. He's been Premier for nine years. He was opposition leader for four years before that. Uh, you know, he's been in, in Parliament since he was essentially a young man. But he, I, I just think it's such a draining, demanding job that, uh, in, in a way, to me, the interesting question is not why is he going, it's why did he stay for so long? Because <laughs> I, I just think, um, you know, I mean, he has he has sort of got a fair bit of political baggage. Like, there has been a lot of IBAC investigations, you know, that's the anti-corruption agency, the independent board-based anti-corruption commission in Victoria. It's been several investigations. I mean, in my view, like, you know, some of them were sort of mildly bad, but I don't think any of it's, you know, there's no smoking gun, so to speak, um, about him personally. Um, he's just a guy that's attracted a lot of controversy. You know, there's all sorts of conspiracy theories swirling around about him you know there was a a car crash you know that his wife kath andrews was involved in and there was conspiracies around that you know they, then he sort of slipped on the steps and broke his back and there are a whole lot of conspiracies around that you know there's been conspiracies about the ufu the united firefighters union um 
and and sort of um, you know dodgy things around that. Um, I, I just think he he'd had enough uh, after nine years of being premier. You know, it's just such a in the sort of modern context of you know you're constantly under pressure, um, and he's kind of if you think about it, he's you know he's been through a pandemic. There's been fires. There's yep. been floods. Um, he, I mean, I think he leaves behind an impressive yep. legacy in a lot of ways. Like he's built a lot of things. You know, he's sort of had this big level crossing removal program, eliminated dozens of level crossings, you know, so those boom gates aren't down for the trains. Um, he's built rail tunnels. He's built roads. Um, he's had quite a, a big social policy agenda that he's implemented. Um you know, I think he does leave a very um, big legacy yeah. for the state. Um, and I, I think history will remember him for that. History will remember those big infrastructure projects. Um, you know, he, he wasn't someone that you could say he, he, was, he wasn't scared. Like, he, he, did, he did a lot. He didn't sort of sit around um, waiting for things to happen. He, he really did get on with it. I mean, he also did... Um, you know, he was someone that attracted controversy and did did leave a few kind of a bit of a trail of destruction sometimes in his wake, I think would be yep. a fair way to say it. Um, but, you know, like, like anyone, it's a, it's a mixed bag. Yeah, I know. I, I think you're right there. I, I think one of the things that was interesting with Premier Dan Andrews of Victoria was on the one hand, he has actually, like you were saying, Josh, he's been around for a long time. I think he started as an elected uh, member of the Victorian Parliament way back in the late 90s or something like that. Like it's it's been a long, been a long, long time. Yeah, right, um, yeah. I th- what was I thought was interesting because on the one hand it was kind of it seemed like a quick decision which had some people you know the 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 not you know the not Dan fans uh, scratching for some sort of oh there must be a conspiracy blah yeah. but the other flip side was like I think what you're saying which is very much like he's been doing this for a while um, you know it's it's kind of like fair enough but yeah. also I, I something that's not talked about is that maybe there had been some conversations that he, had, he probably had with his family but also his closest political allies about continuity because I'm looking at it as in terms of a strategy mm. I don't know what you think about this may not sort of come across as a strategy, but it does kind of make sense that if you've just been, you've gone and won an election that you weren't meant to have, and that's what happened uh, with our recent conversations uh, a little while ago, was that no one, if you just listen to what the Murdoch press said and, and other sections of the uh, legacy media as well as new media, it was gone, you know. It wasn't there. But, again, they actually not only got re-elected that Labor government, they also with an increased proportion of the votes my my memory um it kind of makes sense mm. in a way like he's done his time it'll give the new person some time to solidify themselves as the new leader yeah and yeah i, I don't know what do you think yeah. about that conjecture there uh, yeah i think that's right i agree i agree with it like i think um andrew's the one thing uh, he's sort of a quite a hard guy to pin down like of all the political people i've known he's hard to actually read but I think one thing you'd say about him is he's since the day dot been a very, very keen student mm-hmm. of politics. Um, he loves reading political biography. Um, he actually ran um, Steve Brax's marginal seat campaign against Jeff Kennett uh, before he was an MP. And so that was obviously very successful because they won won that election. Um, and he, and I think, I think he, he sort of would have, 
thought a lot about the, their, his legacy. Um, there's a kind of um, saying in politics that if if you I, I can't quite remember it, but it's something along the lines. I'm not sure if it was Paul Keating or who said it. I can't remember, but it's it's basically that if if people want you to stay, that's probably a good time to go. If people are saying you should stay. And by the time they're saying, no, you should go, you probably left it too long. And I think Andrews would have observed Steve Brax, um, who it it was a sort of similar circumstances. Halfway through a term, um, Brax just said, I think it was in 2007, he just said, I've I've had enough, Um, I'm handing over. And so John Brumby became leader and it kind of caught everyone off guard. And he he left just it was just before the global financial crisis. No, so wasn't he sort great of um, got out at a good moment really mm. for him, uh, and left. You know he never lost an election. He kind of left in a you know his legacy was intact when he left. And I think Andrews would have studied that that exit yeah. strategy uh, and really tried to put that into practice. I mean, as it turned out, it wasn't as smooth as he would have liked. He he wanted to hand over to Jacinta Allen with the with the treasurer Tim Pallas as mm. his deputy premier, as, as Allen's deputy premier. Um and and the right actually challenged him. Um so there's a guy called Ben Carroll who's um you know he he he's from the right and he he had a sort of running mate called Anthony Carbines. Um and they that that sort of raised the possibility that there could have been a long uh, process where party members actually had to vote mm. on the issue, and 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 Andrews was really furious about about the the fact that you know the right kind of came up with this thing that could have derailed that whole yeah. orderly transition, and it would have been a messy bloodbath sort of. Uh, and, and so, in, in the yeah, he, there, there was a sort of a lot of reporting about this, but there was a kind of expletive. You know, he gave a kind of expletive laden rant to the party room and said, "You know, this is this is exactly what I wanted to avoid." Yeah. Essentially, he was very angry about it because he wanted to to go in a sort of graceful, mm. clean, kind of dignified sort of way. And then he, you know, he, his 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 kind of. Uh, for want of a better expression, his captain's pick or mm. captain's picks for, for Premier and Deputy Premier were yep. kind of challenged. And so he was really angry about that. In, in the end, they came up with a compromise. So they got um, Jacinta Allen, which was his pick for to replace yep. him as Premier. And then the right got put Ben Carroll in as um, Deputy Premier. So it was a sort of compromise and they, they avoided that long messy uh party route not the party i'm sorry long messy um membership well, vote um, well they could have gone for a while because as you know josh like we, we've, we've talked about this quite a few times in recent years like the, the victorian branch of the alp has been under administration by the federal branch for, for a number of years so it's it's really unclear to, i don't know uh but but it is unclear to me in terms of how the governance works there we we did have the the scandal, which no one seemed to want to talk about in recent elections, where state and then federal <laughs> uh, representatives were 
basically decided by committees, um, decided by these, you know. Uh, they yeah, weren't actually yeah, decided right. by a rank-and-file vote. So yeah. it's like, well, if the right were going, sure, we're sending it to branches, like, well, have they actually set up the governance properly for that to actually happen? You're right. It would have led to all sorts of complications because I'm not very sure as yeah, in terms of, like, right. the federal party administering it and then how far ahead they are of actually democratising the branch so that you wouldn't end up having legal challenges about, you know, why. It's, yeah, it's not good look. Um, I mean, there was there was a branch, a sort yeah. of branch stacking um, scandal yeah. a number of years ago, and the federal part did kind of take over the administrative side. So that that actually kind of gave a, a few, you know, federal people a lot of cloud yeah. in deciding pre-selections and that sort of thing, which caused a lot of anxiety mm. at one point as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think in in a way, Andrews was probably justifiably yeah, angry yeah. about it because he wa- it was very much um, the old party, you know, the old factions were sort of trying to muscle up again. Um, you know, there was something called the Stability <laughs> Pact um, that used to sort of reign supreme yeah. in Victoria. And, you know, there was the Short Short Conroy Conroy and- Alliance and all that, short cons, and um, it, it, was, it gets a bit complicated and sort of down in the weeds in a way, but um, I think Andrew's, it's, it's sort of another part of his legacy in a way that he just had such, a, he, he was so pervasive and he had such a strong grip on the cabinet, the party room, you know, he really did um, manage to subdue mm. a lot of those factional tensions that had been there for, well, I don't know if subdue is the right word, mm. but he kind of conquered yeah. them in a sense, uh, just became such a, dominating figure i mean and in a way you can see why he won as you were saying ben he won three elections um you know there are a couple of redistributions but he won each election by yep. more than the last um and so he he sort of had a lot of uh sway you know in a way he was a kind of election mm. winning machine uh and and he he sort of thought well show me some yep. respect yeah uh, but you know, so the Labor Party, like it's it's the way way it works in the Labor Party. It's always got to be. Yeah, no. I, look, the Victorians are famous for it, uh, for the particular games that they play. <laughs> it's, but yes, you know, like the old joke is uh, never trust a Victorian, and it's always uh, often said in Labor circles outside of Victoria. But even our Victorians will tell you the same thing. It's very strange, but <laughs> I, I think. I think he has managed to uh, uh, unite that political organisation. The question I, I think will be the one to watch as part of the broader issue for Labor Party activists out there is is keeping an eye on the transparency and how uh, democratic it is for um, to be part of what should be yeah. a mass organisation, not something that's just sort of you know determined by a committee of yeah. the federal party, uh, which is made of delegates who are voted up from state brands. You know, Mike, when you get oligop- oligopolies, Determining who people's representatives are, you're starting yeah. to run into some real problems. That's something that needs to yeah, needs looked at. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But look, back to um, uh, Andrews as well. I I think you're right. The the thing that was always interesting to me was I I always felt he really was on on face of it. I didn't the way he was sometimes uh, political uh, opponents would almost turn him into the boogeyman. As if he was like some sort of radical mm. or something. It was just very strange because I was like, well, hold on, like 
we're talking rebuilding programs. Like there was investment in infrastructure. There was like yeah. it's very like for me. I'm just sort of going. What what is it about Dan Andrews that the the Murdoch press and other sort of I guess conservative right wing yeah. um, commentators and um, political opponents? Why, why do you think they just? It was so rational. The last, particularly the last election. I mean, no COVID was you know very much a uh, you know a, a situation mm. we got in the world where it, it, I don't know some some parts of the the right and the populist right had gone particularly insane over a whole range of issues. But what was it about Dan that, that he, co- that he well, copped so much about that, uh, about whatever was happening in the world? It always seems to be Dan's fault. Like it's... I think I think it's a combination of things. Like I think he, I, I sort of said this in a column, but he could yeah. be quite ruthless. Like I think you have mm. to be fair about that. Um, I described it as, um, you know, there was the character from House of Cards um, I describe his kind of political philosophy was ruthless, mm. ruthless pragmatism. Yeah. He called it, which sort of this idea that yeah, you got to get you got to be ruthless to sort of get things done a bit. You know, it's a kind yeah, of utilitarian yeah. argument a little bit. Um, and so Andrews could be brutal and very forceful, and I think he did uh, have a lot of enemies. Um, particularly like on his own side of politics. So he sort of did arouse quite a passionate mm. level of hatred yep. in some people. And some people did come across, you know, like he did He did sort of leave this trail of carnage a little bit. Um, uh, you know, the people's careers were ended and mm. it was quite tragic circumstances, or, you know, um, in, in sort of, you know, and then there were a lot of factional sort of warfare going on and angry people who felt that they were sidelined and uh, that sort of thing. So I think there's that. And, and I think the other element is that um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to say this other than I, I reckon often he was just such yeah. a good strategist that he just ran, not only ran rings, he ran rings around the media for a start, like it was interesting being in press conferences with them and there'd be this sort of feeling of kind of combativeness, but often I sort of felt like he, he was just so in control of the debate and he sort of was very good at um, creating a debate that was off, you know, it was a sort of, um, you know, pee and thimble trick. Yeah. It was like, look over here, you know, and there'd be some distraction mm. and have an argument about something that wasn't particularly relevant. He's just very good at all mm. that sort of stuff. Like, and he, he kind of, and I think, so I think people in, in kind of elements of the media got very frustrated because they, they kept running these sort of campaigns, you know, year after year after year saying, you know, dictator Dan <laughs> yeah. and, um, you know, it's it sort of, uh, and none of it seemed to kind of really affect him much. Like he ran his own social media campaign. I mean, his own, you know, he sort of ran mm. a very powerful social media agenda and managed to bypass the media and sort of ran rings around the media. So I think they became very frustrated that, you know, people weren't yeah. listening to them anymore. Like, it, I mean, I, I think in the end it's a bit like that adage, like even a stopped clock is yeah. right twice a day. Um I think if they, if they shout long enough, eventually they'll say, yeah, we told you so, you know, look, he's gone now and we ran a campaign. And sure enough, you know, the Herald Sun did have all these, you know, tear outs of their headlines over the years, like Red Shirts and Dictator Dan and 
you know, and they were sort of in a weird kind of way trying to claim victory yep. in a sense when really I think he, he absolutely just, uh, it was water off a duck's back. So um, I think I think there was that and, and also maybe a third element that's a similar one, but um, he also ran rings around the state opposition uh, and he still, you know, he still is like that. I mean, they're they're down to. Um, I'm trying to. They're, they're down to. I think they've got like 27 seats in the parliament, and Labor has 55. You know, so they just. And if you look at um, Melbourne, it's like it's it's a sea of red now. You know, it used to be this sort of uh, liberal heartland. You know, and now it's just like he kind of turned. Melbourne, you know, into this sort of uh, labour, so such a labour state, really. Um, there's just a few kind of um, splotches of blue now on the electoral map uh, of Melbourne. Uh, and so I think I think they were very sort of almost a bit flummoxed that they couldn't yeah. lay a glove on them the right. Uh, and so his, his very uh, polarising character... Um, and then, and then also, there's all the stuff about you know his dictatorial style and co- yep. covert, and I don't know. There's, there's oh, all yeah. history yeah. about all that that people have strong views about lockdowns and um, and and that sort of thing, you know. Um, so I, I think it's just a combination of factors. But my view is he ran he ran rings around yep. the conservatives in Australia, both the conservative side of politics. And the conservative yeah. media. No, no, I think. No, no. I, I, I think that, that's, that's that's probably the the thing. Uh, when people are looking at uh, the Victorian Parliamentary Labor Party, that's that's going to be the the thing to really look at in terms of well, how did how did, what did actually they do, and how much attention do they actually pay to um, leg- the legacy media? Although oh, like, oh, it has been fascinating yeah. that. The decline of the Murdoch press is um, being spectacular. That people are just not listening. They're like, well, you can think whatever you want, um, yeah. you know, to Sky News after dark or whatever. We don't care. Um, it, you know, it's, that's, been, that's been very interesting. And, and in yeah. terms of um, policy-wise, the, the infrastructure programs are like a, a good positive example of a Labor governments to actually do a lot more, I would have thought. That's probably, that's going to be a, more of a Barney inside the, the broader Labor parties, the state the Labor parties about doing some yeah. more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think that's right. I mean, I mean, one, one of the things I think as well is that they just sort of hate this idea that um, he might kind of be remembered as as a sort of very significant Premier in Victoria. I mean, it's actually quite funny. Um, Kennett introduced this um, thing where I can't, if, if you're a Premier for more than, I think it's like 3,000 days or something, you get a statue out out the front of one uh, Treasury place, which is sort of where the, you know, the government offices are. And, and they, they sort of hate the idea. So you've got Dick Hamer out there and Henry Bolte and... Um, you know, Dunstan and I don't know, a few others like uh, line these sort of brass, big brass statues, and they hate the idea that Dan's oh, going to get no. a statue as well. Um, you know, Canada, of course, didn't get a statue. Um, you know, so it's sort of, um, and it's, it's just a bit ironic that Kemp Kennedy introduced this, these statues that, you know, if you serve a particular period, you get your statue. So, 
Uh, maybe that's well, what it's about. Yeah. I don't know. Look, if it's you know, yeah. if if the good um, burgers of Victoria are a bit more happy about their accessibility of the infrastructure, it's probably probably a lot better legacy than whether or not he's got a bloody statue or not. But that's priorities, isn't it? It is an interesting question uh, to me. I don't know what you think. Like this idea that it was a what they might call it. You know, I hate sporting analogies, but a mm. kind of hospital pass. You know that he was out at this um, particularly tricky time and he was sort of tossing the ball to someone mm. else to get flattened. Um, I, I think in a sense it's not really a hospital pass um, because they've got such a strong margin of mm-hmm. labour in the parliament and a strong grip parliament. And also you look at the opposition, they're kind of facing this demographic tide um, now um, yeah, baby boomers are sort of dying off. There's a lot of younger voters. Uh, a lot of their kind of safe seats are becoming more yeah. and more progressive. Um, and they're just a sort of, they're ideologically deeply divided as a party, the opposition. And so I think in a sense, he's handing over uh, just, just one year into a four-year term. So there's plenty of time. Uh, they've got a, a big margin in the parliament. So it's sort of hard to to see them, you know, maybe they'll lose some skin, who knows, three years away. But also they're facing an opposition that's just deeply divided and not really, you know, they're trying to be more progressive, but they're not really making much headway Mm. in the published opinion polls. Uh, And they're just sort of fighting amongst themselves and tearing themselves to bits. So I don't think it's a hospital pass in that sense. But... um, it is a very challenging yep. time for the state. Um, you know, uh, you, know you, you can kind of argue the toss on how, how bad is public debt, you know, um, but the, the fact is Victoria has the highest debt in the country. It's got the worst credit rating uh, out of all the states. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's facing these quite, significant challenges like dealing with housing affordability you know they're only just yep. sort of keeping up with population growth in terms of providing houses for people you know they've got this massive these massive projects um infrastructure projects on the books but it's not clear how they're going to sort of deliver them or when they're going to deliver them um they're talking about building eighty thousand houses a year to and 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 knocking down all of melbourne's public housing towers, um, you know, in the, and replacing, like getting all the land and sort of replacing those with with new housing, um, including, yep. you know, some private housing, you know. So it's, it, it is a tricky time for the yep. new Premier, I think. Um, and, and also they've been in government for yep. nine years, you know, they're, they're running out of public. Yeah, I guess, it, I, I, think. I guess, yeah, I, I think, so, I think you're I, right. I mean, those, those are all uh, problems that you know, they're identi- they're political questions that they need to be able to answer. Uh, for my take, though, is I, I think I think we should, if as long as if they what they could do is just not accept the rationale that we oh we just have to have things running in a budget. We need to run run a surplus surplus budgets all the time. It's ridiculous. The neoliberal sort of view of you know that we're we're somehow running running a government yeah. like you know Victoria's a sovereign state at the end of the day in terms of what it does. Um, 
that you, like it's it's, yeah, it's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, we're not agree, you know yeah. it's not about talking about oh yeah we're just going to have to cut how much um, you know whether we're going to go to the movies every week. It's not like that. You need to. I mean, I, I I think very much in terms of like well if you've got problems with your budget, there's a couple you know it's it's either raise revenue and how are you going to do that and it's probably a political question. I hope you those that yeah. can afford more would be more of your angle than you know uh, scatterbrain stuff trying to you know that uh, yeah. affects people on low income. So I'd, I'd like them to see that to to actually tackle the questions as opposed to sort of just swallowing a narrative like oh no we're just going to have to cut everything um you know we can't have nice things um because i I think i think what you're saying you're you're reminding me of things that have happened in the act where the act government's actually been rather successful just going you know what we're just going to build it and we're going to you know (laughs) they've got borrowed money and in the end it worked out like uh they've they've done well thanks very much and yeah they've been set up with infrastructure like that but it's a bigger scale obviously victoria yeah yeah, no, no. I think I think Victoria's adopted yeah. the same approach. Like they're they're building a lot. I mean, if you look at their infrastructure spending, that's sort of on, factored into the budget. It's about twenty yeah. billion dollars a year for the foreseeable future. Like it's a big infrastructure agenda. They they're just building things. They've got you know the the last election was all about health. They've got building a lot of hospitals, and I mean, all I'm saying is I think they're a little bit yeah. more constrained. Yeah. than they once were. Um, they, can't, they can't sort of really flip. And rightly or wrongly, I'm not really saying, you know, they can't really rip open the, the wallet and sort of start chucking mm. a lot of cash around now because they've sort of got this um, mantra about uh, distinguishing between pandemic debt and pr- what they yeah. call productive debt. So debt used for structure and health and education and that sort of thing. They're trying to sort of draw a kind of ring fence the COVID debt uh, and say, well, we need to pay back some of that debt now. And so they are kind of cutting quite a lot of positions in the mm. state public service. And uh, it is getting a bit, it's, it's getting tight. A bit and then you've also got, the, yeah, you've got the feds yeah, as tight. well, like the, the federal, the Commonwealth government have, very much playing this sort of. They, it's like they yeah. still think they're contesting the election and just can't offer anything. Like, it's like I look at some, like it's yeah, just yeah, it's like waiting for these. Like you know, it's very incremental. The the big sort of oh, here's some more money for blah. Like a lot of they've had been you know had to be fought kicking and screaming over a number of key sort of uh, policy ever. Whether it was like you know doing the most minuscule thing for the for income support or. Um, you know, spending money on a whole range of areas. And I'm sort of thinking like, well, if you're the Victorian government, you'd be going to the feds like, hey, hey, fellas, you know, like we, we, we need some uh, we need some help very much. And, yeah. yeah, it is, it is. I think it's tied everywhere, but we're not helped by the fact that we've got a, a federal parliamentary Labor Party that's very much like going, you know what, we're just, you know, we're just going to hold on for a bit and maybe next next time round we'll, we'll go spend, you know, like... It's not really giving much hope to those state governments that are uh, yeah. currently struggling with the legacies of dealing with serious social crises yeah. like cost of living and COVID, the legacies of those. Absolutely. I really agree with that. Um, I mean, it is interesting um, that I, I think that if there's ever a time for the federal government to be a bit bold in what they're doing, it's now. I mean, it's first yeah. term, um, you know, they've got a bit of a mandate to kind of actually do some things and I don't really feel like they're kind of doing a lot in some ways I mean they're very cautious um it was actually the the Morrison government um just even the carve up of the GST 
Um, Victoria is forever complaining that they're sort of not getting a fair share of the GST carve-up. But the, the Morrison government did this ridiculous deal with Western Australia. Yeah, I remember that. Where Western Australia like it kind of ran roughshod over the mm. Commonwealth Grants Commission process. It was all about trying to shore up seats in WA, you know, and it was sort of Scott Morrison and Josh Frydenberg kind of hatched it up. And it means that um, I think from about 2026, I think that the other states, the bigger states like Victoria and New South Wales, are going to really start getting the raw end of the pineapple in terms of the GST. Um you know, there's something called the no worse off guarantee at the moment to ensure that they don't. But that ends that ends in a couple of years. Uh, and and it was interesting that Chalmers and Albanese, um, they have no intention of changing that. And like Western Australia is the only state running a budget surplus. Like they and not only a budget surplus, it's actually the last budget showed a record. They are running a record surplus at the moment. Like it is a record surplus and they're getting this incredibly sexy sort of GST deal because Labor's so worried about losing seats in WA. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's not great for a state like Victoria which and New South Wales as well, which would both of which and probably Canberra as well, I guess, you know, territory. But I mean they don't they'd sort of say, well, we've got these massive um we're getting the sort of all, all the population growth and um we've got these big challenges funding, mm. you know, with congestion and infrastructure yep. and health and uh you know and and the other thing is WA was pretty much unscathed by the pandemic nice. as well, you know. It was like probably one of yeah. the few places on earth. Oh, that's there, right. Uh, that's right. Paradise. No, there's definitely lots of tight issues there in terms of that clash between the, the federal and state governments, in particular in terms of uh, the way in which the direction the Australian economy is taking around, uh, well, we've, we've got massive skill needs uh, and the like as well as, um, it's the inequalities sort of rife as well in Australia. So there's there's lots of really big issues there in terms of like revenue, you know, raising revenue and who you're going to raise the revenue from to deliver for the 21st century. So some big issues there. Uh, I, I think like a couple of little ones I just wanted to quickly touch on, Josh, before we go. Uh, one thing I did appreciate about the Andrews governments was they were very, very much on the forefront of basically saying, you know what, we're just going to make TAFE free. Um, that was that was good, as well as they mm. did also mm. recognise with skill shortages. They I think they made also made uh, a couple of university courses like teaching and nursing, um, free free education again, which which yeah, for me right. is like just turning the back the clock in the right direction. That really um, uh, employers can pay mm. for their workers' education through progressive taxation system, and you know really uh, we shouldn't just be mm. you know doing this mm. user pay stuff because it ends up we end up being shortchanged by skilled not having the right skilled workers and the like but mm. the other one i wanted to mention josh uh, before we go uh, i mean kudos to andrews has always been very good i think on really basic stuff when the right 
whether it's the you know the the labor right or you know the right as we know it the conservative end of politics or in the far right when they're having a crack at um people who are minorities uh whether it's you know on the basis of, of race mm. or gender or, or the like um he's been very you know very quick to come out and have a go and stand up I, I was always particularly impressed with him uh with andrews the number of times he came out um particularly when the the beat up around um transgender i mean we're talking about you know hardly anyone in the population fits into that category but the way they would talk about um, yeah. transgender people just just about outrageous crazy stuff uh and i think Andrew's basically saying look hey they're yeah. people and why do you need to be so horrible it should be nice to everyone which was pretty oh, good yeah. thought, like you know i think it's a it's a good positive legacy there I think that one of that's also it's a positive legacy, and it's also been one of his great strengths as a politician that he's ne he's never worried about upsetting uh, some like he he kind of will mm. call it like it is you know and he's never kind of tiptoed around these things. He's sort of always said, yeah, if you you know racism has really called out racism and he's called out bigotry, you know. Um, He's he's just very um, clear on those things, uh, and he's never been scared about upsetting, uh, you know, the right or anything. Which I think um, that's one of the great sort of strengths, and in a way, it's one of the things that other political leaders will be looking at him saying, "Well, he he sort of didn't he didn't I don't think he'd say he died wondering, you know, he he kind of actually got out there and stood up for a few things." Um, he kind of got a lot wrong too, you know, like, and I think he would probably mm. reflect on that. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, he didn't always get it right, but he was never scared to sort of have a crack and, and do some bold things. And in a way that's, that's the way politicians right. should be. Like they should get out and sort of say, well, this is something I believe in. Uh, you know, it's not all about, it's not always, I think we're very sort of trained to be cynical about politicians, mm -hmm. particularly in the media, you know, like there's this sort of scepticism and that there's a conspiracy theory. And, and sometimes there is uh, often, but sometimes also politicians do actually just go, well, you just got to, you got to deal with the situation and do the right thing, you know, and I think we are. Too yeah, that's right. Uh, that was def definitely a positive thing there yeah. to, to see. Uh, and I think, look, we're not we're not just you know we're not the Andrews uh, fan club. It's just I think it's I think there's some positive no, things no, to, no. to actually just talk about uh, broader issues there in terms of um, I think for the the broader progressive movements to learn from how that state government um, behaved, the style of leadership from the, the premier's office there, as well as I guess the structural issues and how they've, they've mm. related to, to challenges facing that part of uh, what is. The second largest population of, uh, of Australia yeah. has been really good. Is there anything else you want to add, Josh? Before we before we head off, yeah, I mean, like I, I think you also sort of have to see the kind of like there's just going to sort yeah. of circle back to the start. There's really positive yeah. and negative things. Like he he was um, he could be heavy handed and dictatorial, and he ran a very central, a very very centralised government like often you got the feeling that his cabinet ministers didn't know what was going on and you would argue that his chief of staff and deputy chief of staff had a lot more power covert power than ministers you know like it was very centralized run out of the um 
out of the premier's office, uh, and that that was his style and how he operated, uh, and it, it it was effective, arguably. You know, he he sort of uh, he had you know yep. won three elections. Oh, well, look, thanks, Josh. We'll um, we'll just keep you on the line, and uh, thanks for being talking to us on Dole Capital. Great, it's a great pleasure, Ben.